Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. Today's one of those days that it's, it's tough. Uh, we're going to be in Exodus. If you have a paper Bible, you can turn there. Or if you own your phones or tablets, we're going to be in Exodus. Uh, we're actually going to start in the very last verse of chapter 1, uh, and then we're going to go into chapter 2, and, and it's going to be great. But, it, but I've, you know, being a pastor, you know, and, and I hadn't been doing this this long in a student ministry for 25 years, you would think that like Easter and Mother's Day and those things, but it's always tough because Mother's Day can be a day that, that's, that's sorrowful and painful for some people. And it's one of those things that, you know, people may have struggled with fertility or, or may have lost a mother this year or may have not had a good experience with the person that birthed them. And, and you say, Mickey, how do you deal with that? And to be honest with you, I don't know, but I know this, uh, that we can look at moms and look at some amazing mothers in God's Word and gives us a major direction and we can still celebrate what's good. And so... If your story is one of those stories that has a little bit of pain and sorrow, can I be the first one to tell you, man, I, I love you, and I hope today is a great day for you, and I hope that we see some stuff today in God's Word, but I also want to take a point to, to not, let, not let the things that could be negative in our life steal the things that are supposed to be positive. Like today, the, the title of the message is, Why Did God Create Moms? And you're like, because dads are lacking, <laughs> No, that's not the answer, all right? But, but the concept is this. We all get these misconceptions of what we think our different roles are. Like as a mother, and I'm talking to everybody because I'm gonna talk to the moms, but this goes for every single person, okay? But if you're a parent, whether you're a father or a mother or whether you're a grandparent now, whatever season you're in, but talking to the mothers, like moms' job in God's word is not to, to make sure that they have a plan for their child. Like we get these misconceptions, right? Like, man, I, I got a plan. I'm gonna raise my kid up. I'm gonna tell him the right things. I'm gonna do the right things. I'm gonna help him with the right things because I got a plan for my child. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. God says that, that he has a plan. A plan to prosper and not to harm, a plan to give them a hope and a future. And so as a mother, I want to give you a little bit of release today going, guess what? You don't have to have the plan. God orchestrated life, and when he orchestrated that life, it came with a plan. Like God knew exactly what he was doing. Look at your child. If you're sitting with your child, mom's just say, see, God's got a plan. You need to listen to this because you ain't doing it right now. No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. You can say that later at lunch. But, but a lot of times what moms try to do is what? They, they think that they've got a plan. Like, I know that God loves my child and has a plan for my child, but I got to make sure that my child gets to where God wants them to be because that's my job. Listen to me. What if I told you that's not your job? What if, what if we joking around with those memes and I said, that's something you think you should do, but maybe that's not what God's called you to do. Like today, I want to give you a lot of freedom because I want to give you a very real situation, three simple roles, three simple roles that he's called all moms to play in God's plan in their children. And we're going to use one of my favorite characters in God's word, Moses. 
I love Moses' story. If you ever go to Growth Track, in the very first step of Growth Track, I talk about Moses. And I talk about four things that he struggled with and four questions that he asked God that almost kept him from doing what God had called him to do. And these four things are four characteristics that all of us struggle with. And I'm not gonna get into that today, but did you know that, like, sometimes we don't think about it, but you know, Mo Moses had a mom. In fact, I, a little trivia, does anybody know who Moses' mother's name was? Because we're going to be in Exodus chapter 2, and it talks about parents that had a child. But later on, in chapter 6, it identifies Moses' parents. In fact, Moses' mother name was Jochebed. Like, could you imagine you're being a mother and your name being Jochebed? Like, like Mom, you're a joke. But it's like Jochebed, J-O-C-H-E-B-E-D, Jochebed. And there are three things that we see that she did that helped Moses accomplish all the things that God had purposed him for. Like Moses ends up being at a burning bush. Moses ends up hearing from the Lord. Moses goes back to Pharaoh, says, set my people free. Ends up having a staff that turns into a serpent. Ends up parting the Red Sea. Does all these different things. Ends up having the Ten Commandments. But all of that hinged on an amazing mother that literally said, you know what? I know that God has a role and a plan for my son, and I'm gonna do a few things to support that role and to get him to what God's purpose is for his life rather than being consumed with saying, I know what he needs to do. And so if you're with me, we're gonna be in Exodus chapter one to begin with, because I gotta give you a little bit of a, of a background before we get to Moses' mother. To realize what's going on, and you're not gonna see these scriptures, it's just... This is just background so that you'll know what's going on. And you can read this if you want to check me out. It's in Exodus chapter 1, starting in verse 8. But basically, there's been a new king that no longer knows of Joseph. And so he has this fear that's come upon him. He's had this fear because he's looking at all these Jews because the Jews are multiplying very quickly. It's kind of like this church. Like, we got more pregnant people than most other churches in our county. You say, why? Somebody told me today, they said, y'all the happiest church in the world. I was like, yeah, that's a good way to put that. We are happy, all right? But it's one of those things that, that she, is, she is sitting there and she's living in a time frame where, where the Jews are multiplying rapidly. And they are in Egypt. Now, this new Pharaoh, this new king no longer knows Joseph. So he has fear. His fear is simply this. That's a big group. They're way too large and they're way too mighty. You can read verse 9 of chapter 1 and you'll read that. And because of that, he goes, we better do something. Because if a war broke out and they turned on us, they would absolutely beat us. So his plan, and you can read it in verses 11 through 14, his plan is simply this. I'm going to bring about affliction. I'm gonna put people over them that are taskmasters and I'm gonna enslave them. They're gonna start building different cities. Just make believe, they'll just build a city just to be building something. Like we don't even need it, but I just need you to be busy. I need you to be enslaved. I need you to be oppressed so that you don't realize how powerful that you are so that way you don't realize what you could do. Real quick rabbit, very careful because it's Mother's Day. Like it, any nation that ever realizes how powerful the people are, then that nation will always go to where the people want them to go. The only time the, the nation doesn't go in the direction that the people want to go is when the people feel oppressed and they don't realize how powerful they are. That's a message maybe for 4th of July. But going back to this, 
what we need to realize is he's trying to oppress them. Well, at the end of verse 14, he says, man, they are still producing babies left and right. This is not working. So then he turns around and he tells all the midwives. He says, if a Jewish lady has a baby and it's a boy, I need you to kill it. If it's a female, you can let it live. But if it's a boy, I need you to kill the child. Well, the midwives, you can read in the following verses, I think it's around verse 19, they feared God. And so because of that, they're like, we ain't doing that. And so all of a sudden they get called by the Pharaoh to come in and he says, why have you done this to me? And they, they lied. They just said, well, they, these Jewish women, they are, they are vigorous in, in what they do. By the time we get there, the baby's already there. We couldn't stop them. They were just so vigorous in having this baby. And so God blesses the midwives, but now the Pharaoh comes up with, with a different concept because the issue that's going on is, is the Jewish people are multiplying so quickly that he's fearful that they're gonna be too mighty and too strong and they're gonna overthrow him. And that's where we pick up the story in the last verse of chapter one. And here's what his final plan in verse 22. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, that's the Jews, you shall cast into the Nile. But you shall not, but you shall let every daughter live. And so you just need to know the time frame in which we're living in. The Nile River is just, I mean, it's kind of grotesque to think about it, but yes, people were constantly having babies. And if it was a boy, they would take the boy baby, unfortunately, down to the Nile. And I don't know exactly how they did this, if there was something they did beforehand or what they did, but they would throw the boy baby into the Nile and kill it. And then we pick up the story with Moses' parents, chapter two. Now a man from the house of Levi, and that's Amram, A-M-R-A-M, that's his dad, and Jochebed, we was talking about Moses. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took his wife, a Levite woman. The woman, this is Moses' mother, conceived and bore a son, and when he saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. Now, if you go back to different translations, that Hebrew word can also be used rather than fine. It can be used beautiful. It's the same concept that Mary had when she realized a purpose that was on Jesus's life. In fact, you can go to Acts and it has a little depiction of what was going on. And, and in there, it'll use the word in Greek that translates beautiful. It's the aspect of realizing, like she looked at Moses and saw it and goes, man, this, this baby has a purpose. It's not beautiful like, oh, look at my baby. My baby's so beautiful. Like everybody's seen that, right? Like everybody who has a baby, they're like, oh, look at my baby. My baby's beautiful. And sometimes you're like, <laughs> yeah, they all are beautiful, you know? But, it's, but that's not what we're talking about. She's seeing something more. She's realizing that this child has a purpose. God has revealed to her that this baby is fine. This baby is beautiful. This baby has a purpose. Jochebed realizes that Moses has something bigger than just his life to live. And so what'd she do? The first thing, you ready? Here's your role. All you moms, listen to me. The first role. If you wanna be about being a part of God's plan for your child, the first role that you have is exactly what she did, which is simply this. You are going to protect your kid the best you can. You're gonna protect your kid the best you can. 
You notice that she said for three months, what'd she do? She hid him. For three months, she's like, I ain't telling, I mean, I ain't saying nothing. She's just chilling out, slave, dog, slave woman who just had a child, staying in her hut. You know, could you imagine if, if this would happen in 2023? She didn't take a picture. She didn't post anything on Instagram. She didn't post anything on Facebook. She, you'd be like, whew, I don't know if I could do that. You will protect your child no matter what. One of the roles that God has given mothers, and one of the reasons why he created mothers is to help us get to the plan, the purpose that God has. And a part of that is saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to protect them to get to that plan. Now, can I chase a rabbit for a second? This isn't a protection like helicopter parent. You know what I'm talking about, like, you know, wherever they go, you know, I'm going to take care of them. No, no, like sometimes you're going to have a child that makes decisions and they need to feel the sting of what a poor decision is like. Like sometimes when the, the, the teacher calls, can, can I, this has been teacher appreciation week. Can, we were able to go to two different schools as a church and, and love on some teachers. But can I tell you something? You need to realize that whenever you got a teacher that's an adult, that has a career, that has a purpose, and they're calling you about your child, I promise they're not calling you about their child just because they don't like your child and they want to make something up. Like there's a real good chance that if you will stop and listen long enough that your child may not be as perfect as you think they are. Now, is there an exception to the rule? Yes, but it's not your child you got to have wisdom and discernment. And sometimes you need to let your child feel the natural consequences of their decisions and not be so quick to rescue them. I think sometimes we go to, to protection mode, but we go to such an extreme that we think we become enablers. We just say it. We actually go from protection to enabling. We start giving them every excuse, and then we wonder why students sometimes feel entitled or why they feel like they can do whatever they want to. Like, I'll give you a hint. If you've ever had your child say this phrase, then you may want to check the way you're parenting. Well, wait till I tell my mama about this. If your child's ever said that, you may want to check the way you're parenting. But it's about protecting. And so what did she do? She said, you know what? I'm gonna do everything I can. And what is it that I can do? I'm gonna keep him in this house for three months. But after the end of three months, anybody that's ever had a child realizes that, you know, like, like even when they're born, they, they loud. Like often. Like every two hours. Because they wanna eat. I'm talking about the husbands. But the baby is hungry as well. Like they wanna... <laughs> They, they want to eat, they want to, you know, they, they want to know, they want, to, they want you to hold them, they want you to, to be with them, they want to do it. It's like, but you still got to do something. So here's what happened, verse three, listen to verse three. So after this, she said she hid, her, she hid him for three months. And then in verse three, when she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bustle rush and dabbed it with tar and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds of the riverbank. And this would be the Nile. Now you have to realize that what's been going on is, is everybody's been taking their babies because of the Pharaoh's order, the boy babies, and throwing them in the Nile. Well, this puts a dead carcass. This sounds terrible, and I hate to have to say this, but this puts a dead carcass in the water. 
Well, if you've ever gone to the Nile, you'll realize there's a lot of wildlife around the Nile. In particular, stuff like crocodiles and other fish. And, and you start putting meat and flesh and bone, and guess what? It's going to attract. And all of a sudden, here is Moses' mother who's done everything she can to protect them. And now she's at a point where she's like, okay, I got to figure out what I got to do next because I know this child has a purpose. So the next thing, you ready? Here's number two. Do what you can with what you got. Do what you can with what you got. We have a lady that we watch a lot of videos who's an amazing cook that one day I'm going to get down there with my wife. Her name is Brenda Gant. And one of her phrases when she does these videos is, use what you got. Use what you got. Listen, biblically speaking, you know what this is talking about? You got to do the best that you can with what you got. Why did she take some, some basically, you know, bushes and, and mold them together, these leaves, and make a basket and put tar and pitch on there and make it where it would float? I mean, like, why not make a little canoe? Why not make a little nice boat? Like, why not make something a little bit nicer that's going to be protective? I'll tell you why, because she was a slave. And that's all she had. Because remember, they've been enslaved to build buildings. So guess what was plenty available? Pitch and tar. They had all the access they wanted to that. One of the struggles, if you've been a mother more than a minute, one of the struggles you have is, oh my goodness, am I gonna be enough? Listen to me. You need to learn to use what you got. You don't have to have what everybody else has. In order to get your child to the purpose that God has, God has distinctly, this is so amazing to me, God said, mm, I got this amazing purpose for this child. And I know in order for that purpose to be fulfilled, this is the mom that I need for this child. If she'll rely on me, if she'll know that the purpose is, is bigger than what she wants, it's my purpose. And if she'll do it my way, if, if she'll protect him the best she can, and if she'll use the things that I've given her, like, like this child's gonna be able to do everything that I've called it to do. But there's two issues, right? There's two issues that, that usually show up with most moms. I, there's, it's actually fear. If we were to get really truthful this morning, there's two fears that just about every mother struggles with. And it's not just mothers, it's, it's adults in general, especially dads, but especially moms. There's, the first one is, is the word apprehension. Uh, the fear shows up as like apprehension and, and they start questioning. Here's the way I wrote it in my notes. And, and tell me if you've ever done this. Do I have what it takes? You ever asked yourself that question? Am I capable of leading them to trust and to follow Jesus? Can I raise them to be wise? Can I raise them to be a contributing member of society? Am I capable of doing this role? See, one of the ways that fear shows up in people is apprehension. They start questioning themselves first. And if that doesn't work after questioning themselves, and they'll usually beat themselves down. Like, like you need to know, I, I've said this many times, there's two things that you'll always be best at for yourself. You're the best salesman to yourself. Like you don't ever have to convince yourself anything when it comes to buying something. You're like, yeah, I need that. But you're also your own worst critic. 
Nobody looks at you harder than the way you look at yourself. And it's no different when it comes to the roles that God's put in your life. And the reason why is because, number one, you don't feel like you're good enough. Everybody in the room, listen to me. Do you believe that God knows what he's doing? Like, you put that in perspective. If our earth was like literally a fraction closer to the sun, we'd burn up. A fraction further away, we'd freeze to death. Tilt it just a little, I mean, like, you ever thought about like the way we spin and the way this calendar, like, like the, the amazingness, the way that God took chaos and through his spoken word created everything, including life and including you. And we're like, wow. I mean, he is so good at structure. But I don't know if he knew what he was doing when he made me a mama. but I don't know if he knew what he did when he made me a dad. Like, God, you, like you have been so perfect in all this stuff and creating everything, but I, I, I really don't know if you knew what you did when you gave me this amazing wife or you gave me this amazing husband. I, I just don't know if you really know me. I just don't know if you really, listen to me. God looks at you and he's like, man, I, not only do I know you, but I have a plan for you. And I think here's what God says. I actually said this to the seniors last week. I think God on a regular basis looks down at us and says, boy, I wish you could see yourself the way I see you. I wish you knew what you could really accomplish. I wish I could just like, like if I didn't have this thing called free will where you had a choice, I wish I could just be like, and you could see everything I wanted you to do. And you would know just how wonderfully and fearfully you were created. But we don't do that, do we? We enter this world and we start doing different things and we start having all this apprehension. And we start asking all these questions and doubting ourselves. And if that doesn't work, then we hit this next part where fear all of a sudden manifests itself and we have all these regrets. You ever ask these questions to yourself? Are you ready? Here's some of them. If I had to do it all over again, I would fill in the blank. Or maybe this, I wish I'd have done this, or I wish I'd have done that, I wish I, would, I wish I wouldn't have, like I didn't know it was gonna do. Like if there's anything I can encourage every one of us in the room, is to not only live in, in the grace of Christ, but a part of forgiveness is realizing you ain't gotta live with regrets. Like everybody in the room has made mistakes. Everybody in the room, there are moments in their life where they say, boy, if I had to do it all over again, if I would have realized how big of a decision that was, I probably would have looked at something a little bit differently. But that doesn't mean you have to have regrets and stay there. What you do is you learn from it. Like, what's the difference in Mickey at age 48 and Mickey at age 18? I've not only learned from people on how to do some things, but I've also learned from myself how not to do some things. It's pretty awesome. Example, I learned that if you're going to change out a lamp, you may want to unplug it. I'm just saying. It's kind of a big deal. You know, like when the light bulb gets broke off and you're like, hey, I'm going to just unscrew that little metal piece out of there so I can put another light bulb in. Like you may want to flip a breaker and you may want to make sure it was the right breaker. 
You say, how do you know that? That's not important. <laughs> but just trust me on that. Now, do I have regrets going, mm, man, I wish I'd have. Well, it's not regrets. It's just, it's just wisdom. You say, well, what do you do with your kids? I don't say a word. I'm like, I've learned that the hard way. I want to watch this. Go ahead, place that. No, I'm kidding. What do I do as a parent? I protect them. I'm like, hey, man, you may want to. They, well, I don't want to listen to you. All right, you ain't got to listen to me. <laughs> You're going to find out the hard way, just like I did. And that's called life. Listen to me. Take a deep breath. And give yourself a break. I tell my kids already, because we have five kids, and the oldest ones are like, man, you and mom, y'all are, y'all are different with the younger ones. I was like, well, yeah, because we didn't know what we were doing with you. <laughs> if you think we're different with the younger ones, wait till the grandbabies come along. I'm going to be the best, best pops ever. Why? Because I done messed up on five of you. <laughs> Luckily, your mama was able to straighten out the mess a little bit. You say, what are you going to do with the grand? I don't know. I'll probably mess them up too. We're going to eat a whole lot of sugar and ice cream and stay up late watching wrestling. Why? Because I didn't do that with my kids. And, you know, I figured got to do something different, right? But no, seriously, you got to have fun. You can't live in regret. You can't constantly be struggling. You can't constantly be dogging yourself. Like you have to understand that if, if God, listen to me, if God orchestrated it, he knew what he was doing. Like some of you need to hear that. Whether it be your marriage, whether it be your role in life, whether it be your job, if God orchestrated it, he knew what he was doing. So two roles, right? We're gonna protect them and we're gonna use what we got. You say, and then there's one more and then I'm done. The third thing, the third thing that we found out from from Moses' mother, is there still, with all that being said, she had to trust in God with all her heart. So she turns around and she hides Moses for, for three months. And at the end of three months, he's getting a little bit loud and all the stuff that comes with it. So she turns around and, and I want you to imagine this. She, she kind of weaves together with, with different little, little strands of plants and makes this little weed basket and puts tar and pitch in it, and, and then turns around and puts her baby into that basket, walks down to the Nile River, puts the basket, it says, in the, in the weeds. In other words, it wasn't going to float away. It wasn't like she just like, hey, whitewater rafting, here we go. No, she put it over in where it could be, lays it down. It says has her sister watching. And then listen what happened. She trusts in God, and listen to what God does. I'm going to start in verse 4. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Talking about Moses. And then listen, it gets good. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to, the, to bathe at the river. While her young women walked beside the river, she saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said... This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister, this is going on with Moses, right? Said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother. 
And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take the child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. Listen to what's going on. I want to make sure you catch this. So we have a slave woman who has realized there's a purpose for her child. So she realized that God has a plan for this child. So she realizes that her job is not to establish the plan, but to support God's plan. So she starts protecting the child for three months and then realizes I can't do any more protection. I gotta come up with the next thing. So I gotta use what I got. So she makes a basket and puts the child in the basket. And then her faith comes in and she trusts God and she goes and puts Moses in the river. In return, her sister is watching. The Pharaoh's daughter comes down to bathe. She says, oh, hey, there's a baby over here. And the baby's crying. God puts into the Pharaoh's daughter pity for this child. She turns around and says, hey, would you like for me to go get a Hebrew woman to feed the baby? And she said, yes. So the sister goes back and says, hey, come get your baby back. And so now not only is she no longer hiding Moses and doing what she wanted to do with Moses, but now here's where it gets good. Now she's getting paid for it. Remember what I said a minute ago about use what you got? Like you don't have to worry about these fears of apprehension and regret if you just learn to use what you got. Realize that what you've got is enough. And a part of that is when you realize that's enough, God has a way of orchestrating the more. And so God's like, not only am I gonna give you your child back and let you do what you was wanting to do, but being a poverty-stricken slave woman, I'm also gonna allow Pharaoh's daughter to pay you for doing this. And I wish that was the end of the story, right? You know, and they just lived happily ever after. But there's a final verse. Can I read it? This is the tough part for moms. Verse 10. When the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. And he, because her son, she named him Moses. Because she said, I drew him out of the water. Do you know that, that this story of, of a mother doesn't end with, well, you know, Pharaoh's daughter gave her gave the baby back and it was just awesome and they lived happily ever after and they grew up and they, you know, played stickball in the front yard. No, there was a moment that, that the mother was gonna have to release this child to his ultimate purpose. And I think that, that most moms, let me talk to you for a second, moms. I think you guys do real good job because you guys, we got some amazing moms here. I've been watching and you guys do great in protecting. And you do great in providing with what you got. And you do great in trusting God. But then there's where the rubber hits the road where you got to let them go. You got to let them go do what God's called them to do. And whew, that's where it gets tough. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give or text CRCC with your dollar amount to 73256. Once again, thanks for listening.